Hi, I'm Pat Inhofer. I'm Dan Moran. And I'm Robbie Carmen. And guys, this week we have a question, or actually a couple questions, from Mixing Light member Greg. And, you know, if we're honest with our audience here, Pat, we've actually gone back and forth with Greg quite a bit uh, over the past couple weeks. Uh, and Greg has been awesome, and he's been asking a lot of really good yeah. questions, and we've been going back and They're forth. Terrific questions. And we decided, hey, you know what, let's put some of these questions out there. Now... Greg's questions really have to do with the use of a LUT and also in context of using Resolve 11's new grouping command. So I'll talk about his first question and he says, hey, you know what guys, in a perfect world, I would think that you know, you'd know you place the film convert filter on one level of the grouping and it would just work. Well, <laughs> uh, I, wish. I wish, right? And then part two <laughs> is that, hey, you know what? Film convert messes with color balance a little bit. So where do you do your balancing when you're trying uh, to group things out? And just very quickly, so because if some some of our listeners may not be familiar with film convert, and so film convert is a plugin, and they also have a standalone version. It works in Resolve, it works in Final Cut, it works in Premiere. They've they've got a whole bunch of hosts uh, that they use, and basically the whole concept of film convert is you input the camera you shot at and you output to a particular film stock, they've done a lot of color science to get your camera to match a particular film stock. So if I have a three camera shoot with three different cameras, in theory, if I shoot them all on a chart, get them all aligned, use film convert, and then put film convert to say a Kodak, a specific Kodak stock, um, I could get them all to kind of match up using film convert in theory. So that's kind of the context of what film convert is and then as Robbie just said his question relates to where in the process do we do this and really is there anything left to do after we do that yeah I mean I mean if, here's the thing is that we all want to use the new grouping functionality in resolve because it's awesome I love it I've done an insight on it Pat you've talked about it a little bit as well Dan are you using the new grouping functionality in resolve no <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm ashamed you, dude. you gotta get on it it's awesome now, I forgot about now, it now here's the thing is that if, if <laughs> forgot. it is easy to forget about by the it way is. Yeah, you have to kind of hunt for it and activate yeah, it absolutely yeah. now here's the thing if you're not familiar with the new grouping functionality there's always been grouping in resolve um you can you know select a whole bunch of clips create a group and then if you apply a grade to one it ripples through the other well the problem with that has always been okay well what if for example if i have an interview and the next thing you know on you know shots one two three four and five are all identical and then on shot six the dp decided to turn on a light what do you do well, in the past, we've had to, you know, uh, extricate that clip from the group or we've had to create a new version or something like that. Well, now in Resolve 11, we have uh, pre-clip, we have clip, and then we have post-clip sort of, how would you say that, levels, I guess, of grading, right? Clip level is just like any other clip, right? It's just the same level that you're doing. Anything that you do in the clip level is independent from any other clip. But pre-clip and post-clip affect the entire group. Now, Pat, when it comes to Greg's question and in terms of LUTs, I know that you and I have kind of some, I don't know, I don't want to call them conflicting, but we have some pretty opinionated uh, opinions about this. And my opinion about it is that pre-clip and post-clip shouldn't affect how you apply a LUT. That you can apply that LUT on a clip level and do your balancing uh, you know, before and after the LUT there. 
And then if you have something overarching, you could do that post clip or you could do it pre clip. But I know that you have a slightly more nuanced opinion about it. I do, and it's still it's actually kind of an evolving opinion. And you asked me if we ask get this question again in a year, I'll probably give a different answer. But um for me the problem with the pre clip, and this is a problem kind of conceptually with pre clip, is that so I, if I grade pre-clip, then any shot that I add to that group, first, that pre-clip gets applied before any of the shot-specific nodes and color corrections get applied. And I, I'm trying to figure out how that's useful um, because my first step is always to fix the individual shots. And then I'm thinking about how to get them all to work together. And then once I get them all working together, then it's easy to work post group, you know, post clip in the at that level and then apply looks. And like for me at that level, it's really easy. Yeah, go apply a lot at the at the post clip level. Well, but you answer but you answered your own question. I think you answered your own question. The thing is, is that I think everybody always assumes like bigger, better, faster, whatever, that you have to use all of yeah. these levels. There's yeah. nothing saying that you have to use yeah. all the levels. So in, in, your, in the way that you're describing it, I would say, hey, you know what, Pat? Use clip level to balance things out with a LUT, pre-LUT, post-LUT, and then do all of your clip mashing and, ba and look stuff on post-clip level and just forget about pre-clip. Or there might be times when maybe you create a look, and that look is if you've got everything balanced shot to shot, you've grouped them all together, well, then maybe you get some interesting results if you work pre-clip that way. I haven't. I haven't successfully made that happen, so it's tough for me to, to recommend that workflow because so much of clip-to-clip -clip work is pulling secondaries, and the moment I change the input into a secondary, the secondary doesn't do what it's supposed to do anymore. It changes the ranges, so I, I'm still grasping the utility of pre-clip grading. I love post-clip grading, and I've found it immensely useful several times. Yeah, I agree. Now, Dan, I, I got to chastise you about this because you, you don't use this functionality. And this is something that in the, wor in the work that you do, it could be immensely useful. That's the end of my rant. Just, you know, you'll go, uh, go, go hang your head over in the corner. It. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, just thinking about it, like I would probably use it the way you guys use it. Clip for shot to shot. And then you almost use your post clip like a, a more refined uh, timeline level. That, you know, if you wanted to, like, put a little bit of grain on the older footage, you could just put a post clip, bash some grain on that, and then you don't have to worry about keyframing. And I'm, I'm actually quite into it now. Well, really why this gets complicated is the LUT discussion. Yeah. If, you don't have, if you don't have LUTs in the discussion, it's actually really easy. And I, this is what I, I described in my insight on this. Without a LUT, I do balancing, you know, overall balancing on um, the clip level, of course. Uh, I'm sorry, the the, the pre-clip level, right? So everything kind of has the same overall saturation, um, you know, black level, that kind of stuff. I'll tweak that on the clip level because every clip is different. And then I'll apply that look. So let's just take a case of an example. Let's say I have um, a whole series of shots of uh, Alexa footage, right? Now, you guys know me. I hate using LUTs for Alexa. So what I'll do, what I'll do on the pre-clip level is I'll drop my blacks, I'll maybe expand my highlights a little bit, and I'll add some saturation. Now that's not going to work perfect for every clip, but it will probably get every clip kind of in the ballpark, right? I'll then switch over to the clip level, and I'm going, oh, because clip level doesn't affect anything else, I'll go ahead and do my shot matching on the clip level, 
right? And then finally, and then finally on the post clip level, that's where I'm doing more shot, you know, uh, more look development, kind of overarching look. And that and that's easy. But once you involve the LUT, I agree with Pat. It gets really convoluted. It's kind of like, okay, so we have our source image off a hard disk. It feeds the pre clip. That pre clip then feeds the clip. And then the clip then feeds the post clip. Oh, and by the way, it gets more confusing. Post clip then feeds the timeline level, right? And you're kind of like, it, it almost requires, I mean, Pat, we've talked about this offline. It almost requires that you have like a flow chart of all this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> of like where things, where things are. And, but Pat, you've said this to me before, and I will 100% agree with you this, is that it just requires a strategy. And stick to it. Yeah, you have to have a, a strategy, yep. Right, and it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong in terms of the, the general sense. That's it right. just may- means that you have to have a strategy on how you approach this. I know th- I know colorists who are militant about apply the LUT and then grade after the LUT. And they do all their grading after the LUT. I know other colorists that are militant. I do all my grading before the LUT, never do anything bef- after the LUT, and the LUT's the last thing in the chain. And you know what? They're both right. I actually do both. What works for you. If it's Yeah, exactly. And me too. I'll do both. You know, um... And so if you want to put the LUT at the pre-clip level, go for it. <laughs> yeah, work, work that it. way. I have no problem with that. If you can make it work and your client's happy and you meet your deadlines, do it. There's nothing wrong. Except, and I will say this, specifically as it results to o- OpenFX plugins in DaVinci Resolve, those can really slow down your system. And so you're going to want to turn on the render cache to get back your real-time playback so you can evaluate your images in real time. And... The render cache only works on the clip level effects. Ah, I didn't know that. That's that's, yes. that's good advice. That's really good advice. Yes. Actually. So if you're running Film Convert or some such plugin to handle your LUTs, you're going to want them at the clip level in order for them to benefit from the render cache. Otherwise, unless you've got a souped up machine, uh, you're never going to get that. So, so, so you you you. Yeah, that changes everything. So you can't ca- you can't cache at all, either manually or automatically, anything on pre and post clip. Right. If you flip your node tree to any of those other options, including the timeline track, uh, you will notice that there will be no red render cache bars, no blue render cache bars. None of that gets cached off. The caching only happens at the clip level. My my mind just exploded. Yeah, the rest of that (laughs) stuff has to be processed in real time by Resolve. Interesting. Very cool. Yep. That's, a, that's that a great a really tip. That's tip. a great tip. And then two other things I want to finish up on. One is we've got some in the Insights Library some uh, insights on Film Convert. So we've been talking a lot about it. If you're not familiar with it, check them out. And the second thing is he did have a, a second related question related specifically to Film Convert and using the balance, the color balance tool in Film Convert. And my advice to Greg on that particular slider. Uh, because I have worked a lot with Film Convert on paying jobs, and I use that to create the look, not to do shot-to-shot matching. So I'll do I'll do all my actual balancing elsewhere, and then that slider I use for hey, let's warm up the scene, or no, let's you know cool down the scene, and I'll use it to create that kind of final look, that so-called you know film emulation look, whatever you want to you know whatever you want it to be. Cool, cool. That's great. So, uh, Greg, hope this helps. And uh, as always, thank you for being a Mixing Light member. And for the old MixingLight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm Dunbar. I'm Pat Inhofer, and we'll see you next time. Bye.